Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. For groceries, recycle old clothes by donating them to charity. And recycle all your old electronics, like TVs, computers, and cell phones, at appropriate e-waste facilities. Join Odyssey, and together, each of us doing one thing makes a greener tomorrow. What's your one thing? Get help managing your money for the life and years ahead with Fidelity Income Planning. We'll look at what you've saved, what you'll need, and help you build a flexible plan for cash flow designed to last so you can go from saving to living. Fidelity Brokerage Services, number NYSE SIPC. Exergen agrees with a just-released study by the FDA confirming that non-contact thermometers are not accurate and that their labels contain false information. Be sure. Be accurate with Exergen thermometers. Backed by over 100 clinical studies. Learn more at exergen.com. This hour is brought to you by DuckDuckGo, Privacy Simplified. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. The score celebrates 30 years. WSCR in HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. We are Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's voice of the fan for 30 years. The Score! That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like they're, like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. morning welcome in saturday suckage steve rosenblum here with the suckage roll call new extended greater than ever 
Let's start that. Grobber. It sucks, and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Mike Tomlin. Uh, sucking. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Brian Cashman. I also know that we suck right now. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man. Like, do we suck? Chris Rock. I suck so bad, he used to pick me after the white kids. Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey, you guys are not going to make anyway. You guys are suck. Hey, when, when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby. Oh, my God, this sucks. Random Bears fan. Steph Curry. We suck tonight. We'll get better tomorrow. Just a rough night. So uh, no real explanation, really. Just got uh, got beaten every facet of the game. Terry Bores. Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Finally, there is a God. Avenue Q. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be broken, unemployed, and turning 33. St. John. Sucks to me. Ross Perot. There will be a jam sucking sound going south. Devin McCourty. Sucks to end the season that way. Nick Chubb. One of the things that stuck, in, that stuck to us when, when he came here, he said, you know, you got to embrace the suck. Pat McAfee. There are some commentators that f- suck out there. Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, yeah, uh, not a fun morning. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it sucks. Um, Chris Ballard. And now we get we lose these last two games and we just suck. Mark Grody. Doing? My God. Was that our... <laughs> Take a break already? <laughs> wow. <laughs> You've lost your damn mind with all the suckage. Well, wow. there are so many people who want to join the suckage roll call, and we're happy to include them. And, oh. and I just think it's, um, we got the chance to start with with Grobber. It sucks, and it freebases, and it just went on from there. So welcome to Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to, and the list grows longer and longer. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you, Stevie Sunshine? It's good to be talking to you on a on a Saturday. I look out the window. Looks relatively clear. It's probably bitterly cold outside, but I'll find out later on today. Yes, it is. It is quite. The wind is up, and that's not good for any of us. I want to say this. Let's everybody. We will because Mark is here, and because Mark and our show had a unique relationship with Les. We we will certainly explain. And explore and visit the six degrees of Les Grobstein during today's show. And none of none of nothing was more apparent, nothing was drove home this point more than yesterday. Les Grobstein, the grobber, was honored in two sports, in two arenas, in two cities, in two states, and zero Chicago wins. <laughs> it sucks and it freebases. There you go. Is, is what <laughs> Les is saying. I don't care about you guys setting things up for me. These two teams are, I repeat, bad. So, so we'll talk about that. And and everything does the six degrees of separation are actually less than six degrees. It comes back to less. But we have Bears news. GM front, 
coaching front. We were going to get to that right here, right now on Saturday Suckage. Yeah, buddy. Um, yesterday, the the Bears interviewed Ryan Poles for the GM job, 13 years with the Chiefs, currently the executive director of player personnel. They also finally did interview 85 Bear Les Frazier for the head coaching position yesterday as well. And yes, it 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 is apparently been cleared up that Jim Caldwell of Colts and Lions head coaching fame. He did interview with the Bears. So that that had been, at at one point in time, it had been said that Jim uh, Caldwell did not with the Bears and the Raiders, but Caldwell himself says, yes, those interviews did go down. In this season of um, of rumors and, and, boy, you talk about suckage and people getting things wrong and getting them incorrect, let's... Let's start with this, that the, the latest news we have reported by a- Adam Schefter, Chiefs Executive Director of Player Personnel Ryan Poles, one of two finalists for the Vikings GM job, is now being asked to interview a second time for the Bears GM job, according to a league source. Tom Palacero of the NFL Network says it looks like it'll be the Bears on Tuesday and the Vikings on Wednesday for Ryan Poles, apparently a finalist for both jobs in the NFC North. And here's something I did not know, but this is what Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic is all about. He tweeted out this fun fact. Ryan Poles, did, see, tell me if you knew this, Mark, was an undrafted rookie, a, an undrafted rookie tackle with the Bears in 2008, but did not make the final roster. Good God, no, I did not know that. Did not. I did not either. And and I'm shocked to hear that. But I, and the more I think about it, the more they could use him on this year's squad, as a yeah as a, <laughs> as a tackle. And the Jim Caldwell stuff is the the, the layers to this yeah have become just to explain what where this is where we're getting our news and we're trying to put this all together for you out there in Radio Land. So on Friday, Dan Graziano of ESPN reported that Jim Caldwell had declined opportunities to interview for current vacancies in Minnesota and Las Vegas. Graziano added that Caldwell is already reaching out to candidates for his coaching staff. So he had been interviewed at that point by the Bears and Jaguars. And it doesn't mean that he was getting a job or any coach who does this is getting a job, but smart coaches line it up if you, know, you play the what-if game, right? What if I get this job? Would you come with me? Would you do this? Right. So he's certainly a Bill Polian boss fave, Jim Caldwell is. He's 66. He took the Colts to the Super Bowl in his first season as head coach. They lost to Breezes and the Saints. And he yeah. led the Lions to three winning seasons in four years. You might remember him from the NFC North. And to put that in comparison, the Lions have sucked since Caldwell was whacked the same way the Bears have sucked since Lovey was canned. So that report yesterday prompted this from Caldwell this morning on Twitter. I would like to correct an erroneous report that I turned down opportunities to interview for the head coaching job with Minnesota and Las Vegas. Those reports are not true. I have profound respect for both organizations and for the Wolf and Davis families. I did not decline any opportunity to interview with them. This is 
really reached a, a crazy point, hasn't it? It's, it's really interesting, and I was talking about this yesterday, when everything, when they are attempting to do all of this publicly, and I'm not just talking about the Bears, I'm talking about the agents, the candidates, everybody wants their name out there, but they want their name out there correctly. And they also want to be able to play the game in terms of, you know, like get putting yourself in the best position. And that's what, that's why Jim Caldwell would come out and tweet because he wants to be in charge. He, he wants to everybody. To, of course I interviewed with them. I didn't turn down any interviews. Come on. So it would be silly of him not to come out and just, explain what's going on but i guess this is one of the danger. like it's awesome that this is all out there for us to watch the process and to see to some degree how the sausage is made we're not hearing everything certainly but there is a lot of it the bears text us those of us on the beat every day to let us know who was interviewed for sure um we don't get from the bears the the possibilities that usually comes from the national reporters who get that fed agents so it's the process while sometimes it is linear and we can follow it and connect the dots <laughs> sometimes sometimes we can't and that's what went down yesterday with all this this stuff with Jim Caldwell he, he's going to maximize his opportunities and he went to work for himself yesterday so he is the bottom line is yes he did interview with the Bears Les Frazier I don't know what that does for you and now, all of a sudden, Ryan Poles becoming a significant person of interest. And guess what, folks? The, the, a decision, I, I would not be surprised if a decision was made on either of the Bears' openings or both next week. Well, I would think you would have to. Because, again, the idea that, it, that Jim Caldwell is smart enough to start making calls about coaching staffs. And, and he's not the only one. Every coach who's smart is is a potential head coach who's smart has made those calls. You've, you've, I got this guy, I got that guy. What's your situation? What if I promote you to this? Do you want to do this for me? All that kind of stuff. And you have to, to check that out. Who's coming with me? Who's not depending where you are and depending what the, the, the Leslie Frazier, how it went. It's real interesting that, that there's such a propensity for the 85 bears by George McCaskey. I mean, we do it in the city because it's the only team that ever won anything in the Super Bowl era. And boy, you know what? Yesterday was the anniversary. It was 15 years ago that Reggie Bush ticked off Brian Urlacher. <laughs> and the, the Bears scored the next 23 points. Yeah. And the Saints still haven't scored in that game. Right. And now in the snow. And, and that was it. That was the... the you look at that. 15 years ago, the greatest moment in Bears history since the Super Bowl. That was it. They won the NFC. They went to the Super Bowl. They beat the Saints. This was before George McCaskey took over. So And, and ground this thing, this heritage franchise, he ground this thing into just a laughingstock. But at least they have some kind of ground game. We always wondered about that. So... This is where we are. And if the Bears do end up with a general, I hope they do it in the right order. We talked about this last week. I think it's really important that the GM who, let's say it's Ryan Poles. Let's just play this out, okay, Mark? Okay. That he's, All right. Ryan Poles went in there and said, whatever he said, this is my vision for the team. This is my vision for the Bears. This is where we're going to be next year. This is where we're going to be in three years. This is how we're going to make Justin Fields 
get consideration for all pro. This is how this team is going to revolve around him. This is where we're going to be in five years, and it has to be a Super Bowl. We're going to at least be in there. That Let's say he went in there and, and did that and had a plan, and this is all doped out. Not as nuts as Mark Tressman did where he had a whole parade route on that date designed. We don't want any Mark <laughs> Tressman over here. But let's say he did that, knocked him over. we got to have this guy back again, the bear set. That's great. I want him hired before Leslie Frazier gets here. Oh, yeah. Or Jim Caldwell gets here. I just want, because it can't possibly be any general managerial candidate's vision to include a coach you're stuck with. This is what scares me about the idiot Bears. They've done this before. The, the counter to that, though, is that any of these candidates who get hired, whether GM or head coach, are going to be thrilled with having the job that they receive. You look at Ryan Poles, if we're going to keep... He's been an assistant in the Chiefs organization for 13 years. So if he gets the job with the Bears as general manager, he is going to cherish that. That will have been a career achievement for him. I assume the biggest thing that's happened to him in his professional life, these jobs don't come around often. They are hard to get. So I do believe that if Ryan Poles comes in and whomever the coach is, they're going to be very happy to play ball, that they are going to be happy to be there, and they will make happen whatever has to happen. I do understand what you're saying. It's not ideal. like if Because this is the way it's trending no matter what. Even if they hire the GM first, best guess is, is that since the Bears have interviewed eight head coaching candidates, that they will direct that general manager to some of those candidates and say, here's some of the guys will probably pressure or obliged to go talk to some of those guys. So you're right. I don't think that that's fair, and I don't think that's the way it should be done. However, you're going to have two guys. There, I mean, there are no thoroughbreds on, on this list. There might be a great head coach on this list, but except for somebody like Jim Harbaugh, if his name was to actually become prominent again, the rest of these guys, the coaching candidates and the GM candidates are all guys that will be extremely happy to be there and to have, in, in many cases, probably except for, you know, take away a couple guys, Caldwell, Doug Peterson, it would be their first opportunities. And then the guys, Steve, that are getting a second and or third shot, like Jim Caldwell, that that's precious too. Like it, it is not as much as we see these guys recycled. There are tons of guys that never sniff head coaching positions again after they've had it. So I think that that will provide sort of an involuntary automatic chemistry that is going to exist between the two guys just because they're thrilled to be now two, three years down the line, if they're successful and they're feeling themselves, that's where you might start to see some of the issues and the egos start to arrive. If the coach is here before the GM, the Bears will have learned nothing. George McCaskey will just, just stamp schmuck on his forehead. He will have learned nothing. They've done that before. It has not worked. You better, you be, you better hire a GM, the, the guy who's going to directly report to George McCaskey, and, and let him execute his vision. His vision cannot include George McCaskey and Ted Phillips uh, and even Bill Polian determining the coach before the GM gets there. And by the way, I wish pro football reference, pro football focus, I wish these places had a page for this. I, I the, the Bill Polian consulting recommendations and how they did. 
the Ernie Acorsi consulting recommendations for GM and coaches and how they did. Because it's one thing to say Bill Polian's a Hall of Famer. He is. It's one thing to say he built you know, contenders in every place he went, and he's a smart man. And he was 10 years ago when he was in the game. And Ernie Acorsi. Yeah, right. They all, they all knew people. They still know people. They're yeah. not in the game. What is their record with this? Especially what makes us more acute is they're just going to walk away. They're going to, whatever this thing is done, they're walking away. They're not going to stick around. And like we railed it at Ryan Pace for seven years for being stupid, for, for well, fa- failing uh, on both coaches. I want to know what Bill Polian's consulting record is. I can't find it. Maybe we can crowdsource <laughs> this. Does anybody know where to find this? That's a great question. And here's another thing, too, about Bill Polian. I, look, he, he's got the resume, all of that. But his scope is limited. And, and I say limited because of the number of folks from the Indianapolis and Buffalo organizations that he has recommended because he still has ties and clearly still has relationships in those organizations. I'm not saying he hasn't. I mean, obviously, Les Frazier and Ryan Poles, a Kansas City guy. But... He, he still does not know the enti- the inner workings of the entire NFL. There could be a whole pocket of candidates that he is that he is not familiar with just because he is not seemingly in tune with every single organization in the NFL. Well, I when you choose somebody like Bill Polian, when you or not like when you choose Bill Polian, when you choose someone such as Ernie Acorsi, you know you're going to get that trait. That's just the way it's going to go, and you're going to live with it, thinking it's better than what you did on your own. And if you're Ted and George, you know that what you did on your own sucked because, my God, you were mesmerized by Phil Emery, so you can't do that again. You need somebody who who doesn't have bear goggles on. You need somebody <laughs> who's not stupid. Although it turned out Ernie, of course, he was. He, and so so the, the idea you'd pick Bill Polian – Okay, you're, you know what? The Buffalo, the Indianapolis connections, wherever they are now, and they and they spread out. We are going to find out at one o'clock. I'm I'm, sure I'm going to work our guest list backwards now. George Bremer of the in the covers the Indianapolis Colts for the Herald Bulletin. It's in Anderson, and we are going to talk to him about the Indianapolis connection. Every Bears decision seems to run through Indianapolis. And Chris Ballard, the Indianapolis GM, who used to be with the Bears and did not get the job that Ryan Pace got. And joined our roll, our suckage roll call today, and did a wonderful job. So yep. we'll talk to George at one. At noon, we'll talk to Ryan Horvat again. We enjoy Ryan Horvat. Bet MGM tonight. It's a Monday through Friday, um, seven to eleven broadcast, and we will talk to Ryan about today's games. By the way, today's games and tomorrow's games. The Bears, the Bears play, uh, not Bears, Bears playoffs. <laughs> What an oxymoron yeah. that is. The, the NFL playoff games. Coverage on the score begins today at 3. Bengals and Titans is the first game. 49ers, Packers. And the Packers, you know, in their <laughs> vomit green and urine yellow <laughs> colors. I we love wanna... your your Grobber impersonation is basically just doing staccato. It's short doing and you. Separated. It's yeah. doing you. You're, it's, I want to talk about that because you made such yeah. a salient point about Grobber. So we're, we're let me run down the guest list. We're going okay. to talk to Mark Shanowski of Channel 7, anchor, reporter, and Bulls insider for Stadium, TV analyst. Windy for, City Bulls. Yeah, Windy City Bulls and co-host of Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast yeah. with Stacey King. 
Uh, Mark, a basketball, just a basketball guru, we're going to talk to him about what we saw last night. And what we saw last night was something that, again, it's six degrees of less Grobstein. We saw Bulls and Bucks, a game Les always went up there. He was his seat in the press box in, Minis- in, in Milwaukee, by the way, was honored by the Bucks because Les always made the trip up there. There was a picture of Les and a nice statement, and by the end of the by the end of the evening, I think Paul Sullivan of the Tribune had tweeted out a picture of a couple pieces of pizza right in front of Les's seat. <laughs> I didn't see that. Right. One. So, uh, what happened last night in the Bulls Bucks game evoked Bears Packers, and it evoked something that you can imagine Les going crazy because it was the Packers in their vomit green and urine orange, urine yellow colors. It was just so good. So, as we broadcast live from the Hyundai Studios here, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, we will take a break and come back with a a the, the story of last night's Bulls Bucks game and its cheap shots and and we'll see how far back we have to go to find a comparative cheap shot. He's Mark Brody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. And we're happy to serve humanity that way. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Long rebound picked up off the floor near the ankles by Thomas, and it eludes him, but Io there to Caruso. Ooh, and Caruso ooh. is sent to the floor by Grayson Allen. In suspended air, Grayson Allen fouls Caruso, and we are way above here in the lower bowl of Milwaukee. And, folks, let me tell you, we heard Caruso crashing to the floor, and he is down underneath the rim where the Bulls shoot. A very dangerous play on the part of Grayson Allen. Highlights courtesy of us, the score. Chuck Swirsky, Bill Wennington, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you on Saturday Suckage. Nothing sucks more than Grayson Allen, a cheap shot artist going back to Duke. Well, Coach K, look, a builder of men, cheap, teaching crap like that, enabling crap like that, putting up with crap like that, and then he brings it to the NBA. And you saw it last night on display. It was really, I, I mean, it, it was something out of the Broad Street bullies in the mid-70s Ugh. with the Flyers. Well, Chuck said dangerous. What rhymes with dangerous? Dirty. Dirty rhymes with dangerous, and that's <laughs> that's what that actually was. Yeah. But yeah, that you know, Chuck Chuck said it right because that was what stood out. It wasn't necessarily the mechanics that Grayson Allen was using to cause the hard hit and hard foul on Caruso. It was the sound of Alex Caruso hitting a direct hit with the floor, nothing or nobody to break the fall. And maybe that's good that he didn't use his attempt to use an arm or a wrist to break the fall, or else he could have had another break right there. But it was just a devastating sound. It actually, when you see it in real time, and and good on uh, Chuck to have noticed, or where, where did he say he was broadcasting for, from the roof or something like that, yeah. to, to know right away that, as, again, as he put it, a dangerous foul, it did take the replay for me to, and the the being pointed out, I happened to be watching on television, and Stacey King, 
over and over and over at least 10 to 11 times showing us exactly why it was dirty so there was no doubt in our minds and I understand that's the home call and all of that but Stacy King did a great job of showing exactly why and where it was dirty by Grayson Allen the first the first arm Grayson Allen's first arm was a basketball play you're just trying to disrupt him the second one is swinging around arm that that roundhouse was pure and simple. It was Detroit Pistons. It was Rodman. It was it Hell was yeah. it was all all of the the it was Mahorn. It was uh, Lame Beer. It was every dirty player you've seen in basketball and some in other sports that you've seen too. And it was just it, it was awful. And and Billy Donovan, who rarely goes off on other players. Describing it. it was really bad. It was really, really bad. I'll just say this. We lost Patrick, meaning Patrick Woods, on a flagrant foul to a pretty significant injury. And I said this after that game. I think Mitchell Robinson was trying to make a legitimate play on the basketball. It happened to be a flagrant. There are times that there's a flagrant. And, and for Alex to be in the air like that and for him to take, for him, to take him down like that, it could have ended his career, and he has a history of this. To me, that was a very dangerous play. And Billy Donovan went on and on and on, and it's all true. It was it was upgraded to flagrant two. The league's going to have something to say about this. They better have something to say about this. This just cannot go on. And, of course, Budenholzer, the championship coach out of Milwaukee, says, well, it looked like a basketball play to me. And it's really unfortunate that when you have somebody as dirty and as dirty as Grayson Allen, that you have to defend him as a coach. That's why you don't want him on your team. You don't want yeah, to have to defend stupid, dirty, career-ending acts like that. And and as he walked out, he was just smirking. And yeah. smirking is the correct word. It wasn't a smile. It was a there was a smirk. Like give me like it was like the give me a break smirk. You know that that's what that's what Grayson Allen had. So I guess he he owns the villainous role that he earned at Duke and has continued to portray and progress at in the NBA. So the, because it was Chicago and a Wisconsin team, the timing of this was, was unbelievable. Again, six degrees of less Gropstein. Everything connects with less. The, that 35 years ago, more than 35 years ago, there was an event that connected to it. So from a tweet, for whatever reason, a couple days ago, Jim McMahon, new to Twitter, yeah, right, responded. Well, whatever. Somebody yeah. next to Jim McMahon. I is I, I'm always just so disappointed. I, I could tell. I wish Jim McMahon was actually tweeting. But go on. Well, please. this is his account. So yes, it, it is his account. Yes, there was a tweet from 2019 and a video clip accompanied by this. This question, is Jim McMahon getting body slammed by Charles Martin of the Packers in 1986, the dirtiest play of all time? And McMahon, or who's ever running his account, said, yes, to me it was. (laughs) My head hit the ground first, the start of it all. And actually, that was the end of it all. That was the end of all the Bears Super Bowl hopes. But this whole thing underscores the points for me, this, this, the comparison that it came so easily and it happened in the same week that we lost less, that less was buried, that yes, less was eulogized, that so much was replayed, that you did such an outstanding job 
about him that we get, and that we here we are, here we are, with a bear, a Bulls Bucks thing that compares to Bears Packers. It's the six degrees of Les Grobstein, and that I thought really thought your comment about, and it was the day you happened to be on on Tuesday, right? You were working nine to. Yeah, was it no, Monday. no, no it was it was Monday, Monday because Monday, it was Martin Monday. Luther, is Martin Luther yeah. King Jr. Day, and I was filling in for Bernstein Rahimi with Rick Camp, who was in studio. Right. So you had said, and I'd never heard it put this way. It was it was so salient that Les remained through it all through age sixty nine. He remained the fourteen year old who territorialized his teams. Yes, and hated every rival Packers, Lakers, whoever it was. He was also territorial, not not just of his teams, and that was clear. And you would get some hate coming your way if you went against the grabber grain in a disrespectful way. He was also territorial of the sports it, itself. Like, if there was changes to any game, it was a non-start. Robot umps? I don't think so. <laughs> DH being eliminated? I don't think so. Three-on-three in three hockey? I don't think so. He was fiercely loyal to the games that he loved and subsequently fiercely loyal to the teams that he rooted for and typically the players, unless you got on his list. W- one more thing, Steve, that I would like to say, since you are throwing the plot, it's my way. I think I started the show on Monday by quoting something you said on Twitter, and it was perfect. And that was, it had never occurred to me that Les Grobstein would die. That was perfect. I it, it, Thank you. Thank you very much. It was what came to mind because he was so ubiquitous. He was everywhere. He was at arenas, he was interviewing players, he was watching games, he was in the studio, he was on your radio, he was in your earphones, he was in the air somehow, and he was doing it somehow, some way, or many ways, for for more than 50 years. It's like he was always going to be there, right? Yep. Didn't you Om- think? Like- omnipresent. Yeah, that was a word I used a lot. That yeah. Day. That, yeah, he was just there. And it, yeah, that it, it, your words are like, it just didn't really occur to me that this person, you know, who we sort of looked at as inhuman and this robot and this not even real person. Oh, yeah, he was a real person and real people die. Yeah, but no, but not less. But it no. just wasn't. It just wasn't. I, I hope we have some drop somewhere of vomit green and urine yellow. It must exist oh, somewhere. Oh, it, oh, it exists everywhere. <laughs> because we have so much of less, and, and he's, you know, this it sucks, and it freebases. And we have so many of those classic things that we just need that. All right, we will um, we'll take a break. We will talk bucks and bulls and, and basketball part of it. And it was a really, it was an odd thing. I was happy, sad, I was angry, I was thrilled, I tried to look at it with some perspective, and then, oh man, so close. So, we're going to ask somebody who knows more basketball than me, anyways, Mark Schanowski, what he thought of the Bulls game, the loss to the Bucks, and where this leaves them, and what you should be looking for now. We are Saturday Suckage, he's Mark Grody, I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You're a Packer fan. That automatically means you're wrong. 
This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Ilo lines up a right side three. No. Off the hands of Holiday. Still loose. And a scramble for the ball. It goes out to Vooch. Circle right. 18 footer no. And the ball game is over. And the Bulls fall 94 90. Low light. As Chuck called it, Chuck put the period at the end of that sentence. Courtesy of the score, that's us. Hey. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. He's Mark Brody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Now we are going to welcome to our guest line, our score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Glad to have back anchor reporter for ABC7, Bulls insider for State at Stadium, TV analyst for the Windy City Bulls, co-host of the, this has to be the most fun he has at any time, Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast with Stacey King. He's on Twitter at at Mark Schanowski. Mark, thanks for joining us this morning. Steve and Mark, good to be with you. And Steve, you read that exactly the way it is in my Twitter bio, so I appreciate that. Yes, that's that's <laughs> that's what we want. We want to give you your due, and you are do it because you're a basketball guru. So I have... The, the short version of this, the USA Today version of this, is I was really happy the Bulls had a character loss and really sad the Bears got a, a Bulls got a loss because it was so close and there was so much fight and they're fighting for something. And so that's where I kind of am. How did you look at that? I was amazed they were able to hang in there with Milwaukee as shorthanded as they were, missing their starting backcourt of Ball and Levine, three other key players. And they hung right with him. You know, they bring Tyler Cook up from the G League, and he did a pretty solid job on Giannis defensively. He stood right in there. Alex Caruso did what he always does. Of course, I know we'll get to the, the Grayson Allen foul, which was brutal, almost borderline criminal. And, and the way they, they hung in there, I think Billy Donovan really had to be impressed with the character and fight of his team. It was just the same. They, they just couldn't make a shot. I mean, Kobe White was 3 for 15, 0 for 9, three-point range. If Kobe or Io make a couple of shots, they walk out of Pfizer form with a win, and then people would really be excited about what they accomplished last night. I didn't get past borderline criminal. I don't know any anything you just said right now, Mark. We're going right to Grayson Allen because you sound like you are hot for it. What did you think about Grayson Allen's foul on uh, yesterday on Alex Caruso? Well, you mentioned the fact I'm, I'm doing the podcast with, with Stacey King, and like Stacey always says on the broadcast, that'd be five to ten years on the street. You know, and I mean, what, what he did... He went in hard uh, with his left hand and took the foul, which was borderline dirty. And then he follows through with the right hand and basically throws Caruso to the hardwood floor. And and, uh, you couldn't hear the thud on the TV broadcast, but the way he landed with all that weight on his shoulder and his wrist and his hip, you know, Billy Donovan was very candid about it after the game. He said he could have ended Caruso's career, and he's not exaggerating. I mean, if he takes the brunt of that on his head and we've got a concussion issue or a spinal Injury. I mean, there's no there's no room in the league for a player like Grayson Allen. I mean, he did it back at Duke. He's done it since coming to the NBA. He deserves a long suspension, and hopefully, the league will act accordingly. Our guest is Mark Shanowski. You can hear him, see him on ABC Seven. He's an anchor reporter there. You can hear him with Stacy King, Hot Sauce. Give me the Hot Sauce podcast with Stacy King. We're talking Bulls, and it was the the thing about that play when you watched it. And in, in live action, it was, wait, what actually just happened? And then the camera angles, and they slowed it down. You saw 
oh my God, everything that wrestling purports to be, that really was. That was just wild windmilling roundhouses, and that's players having no respect. If I'm one of those teammates, I mean, Mike Budenholzer had to come out and support him, and it sounded half-hearted, and, and I, if I'm one of his teammates, I would go to him and say, dude, we don't want anybody doing this to us. Cut that stuff out. And I think there, there was a complete lack of respect for another professional player there, which is a whole different level of what goes on out in the NBA. It just goes to show you how teams will put winning over everything else. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks were one of the great stories in sports last year. Mm-hmm. Small market team winning the NBA championship, led by a high-character guy, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's, you know, by all accounts, a first-class person. And then you bring in a guy like this to add to your championship mix when you're trying to defend the title. You don't need a guy like that. I mean, they, they have their big three with Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday. Uh, obviously, teams are always trying to poke around the edges to try to make themselves better for the next season. But adding a guy like that just kind of sullies the whole thing. So I, 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 feel, I feel bad, really, for, for everybody involved with that. And also, another thing that, I, that I've noticed was that, that nobody really went after Grayson Allen. I mean, everyone was concerned for Caruso, but uh, you would like to have seen somebody get in his face and saying, we're not going to take any of that. I, I'm sure... The next time the Bulls and Bucks uh, play again, it's going to be a rough night for Grayson Allen. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be very, especially if he doesn't get a a significant or satisfying amount of days off, as told to him by the league. But we'll find out about that soon. Um, yeah, you guys are right. It was a strong effort for the Bulls last night, considering what they don't have right now. The Bulls today, Mark Schanowski, get a day off, and then they have back-to-backs against Orlando and OKC. I look at that as a good chance to sort of get back on track for the Bulls, but then you have the back-to-back factor. So does that sort of wash it out, and how dangerous could those games against bad teams even be? Yeah, you look at the schedule, and you think those should be two Ws automatically, but Strange things happen on the road in the NBA, and you do have the back-to-back factor working in with a shorthanded team. Oklahoma City will always play hard. That's one of the things that they've been able to do over these last few years while they basically sold off all their talent for future draft picks. Orlando has been brutal, but you know they've got some decent young players, so the Bulls just can't expect to walk into those arenas and come away with two easy wins. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan was magnificent last night, 35 points. He shot 18 free throws. It's a, it's, you know, the thing that's really been incredible for me is here's a guy, what, in his 13th year in the league, 32 years old, and arguably having the best season of his career. It's just been amazing to watch. He got off to such an incredibly fast start. You're thinking, well, maybe the wear and tear of, of trying to carry the scoring load is going to, you know, uh, reduce his effectiveness as time goes on. But he just keeps getting better. He's, he's just been remarkable. And he's also taken a leadership role on this team where I don't think he's going to let these guys accept the fact that, okay, we're shorthanded, we've got all kinds of excuses. He's going to expect them to go into these next two games and get Ws. And it's great to add a guy, a veteran player like that, into your mix. And and I know that they had high expectations when they brought him in, and he's exceeded anything anyone could have expected in his first year with the Bulls. Our guest is a man of many blazers, Mark Schanowski, and uh, (laughs) among them are uh, TV analysts for the Windy City Bulls and Bulls Insider for Stadium. So the... One of the things that, again, the good news, bad news kind of thing, the Bulls were out-rebounded by 62-57, to 57, which is sort of, you can live with that, but the second-chance points and the points in the paint, that kind of back-breaking stuff, 
So that's where the Bucks killed the Bulls, and I, it both highlights and underscores what seems to me is the, the biggest screaming need as the trade deadline approaches. Do you think that's the case, and how do you think the Bulls resolve that? Very tough choice for Arturis Karnishevich to decide, is this team uh, ready to make a legitimate run in the playoffs, or are they a year away and maybe you keep your young players? Uh, I'm sure that they are having meetings on an almost daily basis trying to decide what's the best course of action, and this whole Lonzo Ball injury has kind of muddied the waters because Billy Donovan said before last night's game that it's going to be six to eight weeks after he has the procedure, which isn't going to be scheduled until sometime next week in Los Angeles. So you're talking about almost two months that Lonzo Ball is going to be out, which means do you really want to trade Kobe White for a power forward when you're really going to need him over the next couple of months? It's a tough call for our tourists. You could make arguments on both sides of it, and I'm sure people on the score airwaves and, and bars all across Chicagoland are having that same argument. Do you trade Kobe? <laughs> do you trade Patrick Williams? Um, you know, I, could, I can see it from both perspectives. The one thing that might suggest going all in is they've got one more year on Vucevic's contract, DeRozan has two more years after this, and both of those guys are in their early 30s. So, really, it's probably this year and next year are your best chances to make a deep run in the playoffs, and who knows, maybe even get lucky and, and get into the finals. So, if you want to, if you want to trade a 20-year-old Patrick Williams, who you have no idea how good he's going to be, you could do it. But you'd hate to see that boomerang, you know, five years later where he's a multiple-time All-Star. Yeah, and, it, and if they don't make a trade this year, Mark, then do Bulls fans have to think in terms of more like a four or five seed than the than the high riding that they had done? Well, actually, the Bulls are now out of first place. They're a half game behind Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Brooklyn and Milwaukee are clearly the two best teams in the East, and People rarely talk about the Miami Heat, but that's a, a well-coached team by Eric Spolstra that's always near the, the top half of the East every season. They just got Bam Adebayo back from a hand injury that kept him out for about six weeks, and Jimmy Butler's rounding back into top form. So I think those are the three best teams in the East. And you've got Philadelphia that is probably you know thinking about should we trade Ben Simmons for a less-than-ideal package to give us a chance to maybe make a run of the playoffs because Joel Embiid is arguably – playing at an MVP level. So, you know, they're they're probably in that in that three to six range, the Bulls. You'd like to be able to see them get home court advantage for a first round series and at least get to the second round of the playoffs. But if they decide they want to go all in and trade either Williams or Kobe White for a veteran power forward, then you know that uh, Arturis and Mark Eversley think that uh, they can make a run in this Eastern Conference. Mark, before we let you go, last thing. The um, snapshot picture memory that's, that flashes in your mind, someone says, Grobber. You know, every time you saw Les, you, you have to prepare yourself for a long conversation. There are no brief <laughs> chats with Les. And, and, the, and the funny thing about Les is, is you know, he knows that, that I'm from Milwaukee and I, and I grew up uh, covering all those teams or being a fan of those teams. So, so he, would, uh, he would always want to talk about something that, you know, some fringe thing. Hey, remember in 1970 when Al McGuire was coaching and Bob Lackey was playing against the Blue Demons? And, and uh, you know, it, it, would, it was always something like that. You know, it was never talking about what we were talking about. Should the Bulls trade Patrick Williams for a power forward? It was always, Paul Mokeski and Sidney Moncrief. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of a kind, and, and we're, we're going to miss him dearly. Yeah.
Mark, thanks for <laughs> that. Was great. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate right. it. That's Mark Shanowski, anchor reporter for Channel Seven. You can catch him on Stadium. He's a Bulls insider there, TV analyst for Windy City Bulls, co-host of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast with Stacy King. That is just so fun. Yes, sir. And he's on Twitter at, at Mark Shanowski. We are Saturday Suckage. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk NFL playoffs for you Bears fans. Somebody's going to win and go to the. Go to the championship game, the uh, conference championship. So we will discuss that with Ryan Horvat of BetMGM. We will analyze them through the numbers and see what we can come up with. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.